Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, thank you, Kenny. We've got Chip Scoggins in a day early today in the 9 o'clock hour. We're going to do Vol's Vent Line for an hour, basically, with Chip. Gonna just Vol's Vent Line, baby. 651-646-825. Mackie and Joe. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? Neal, who's had some frustrating finishes personally the last couple of games for the Wizards, defers to Porter for the long two. Wiggins puts it up. Long rebound. Jimmy Butler comes down with it. Andrew for the lead. Another long rebound. Butler. Six seconds. Jimmy finds Andrew, and it's last touched by the Wolves. We just got to figure out a way to win. That's the, the bottom line when you're shorthanded. We're down two rotation players. We can't underestimate how hard we have to play the whole time to get that win. And if you get a lead, you got to play tough with a lead. You know, it's it, you can't play a loose game, and that's that's important. And you know, I thought the, the rebounding effort was good, except at the end. You know, and it was a it was a grimy game, and they got to the loose balls at the end. A grimy game. Is that a gritty game? I don't know what that is. Is that a, a hockey-type term? A uh, grimy game? I think Tom Thibodeau lives for grimy games, where his team wins in the end, which isn't what happened That was uh, That was, to say the least, Morose Tibbs last night. He didn't sound angry. He sounded defeated, and he sounded like a guy who has no clue how to get to where he wants to go. Well, uh, the honeymoon period is coming to an end. It's weird because they're 12-9 and nine still. So I think... If you would have told Timberwolves fans, hey, after 21 games, they're going to be 12 and 9 and still kind of figuring things out. Do you, you take it or leave it? I think we'd say, oh, we'll take that. Yeah, 12 and 9, we'll yes. take it. Yeah, you'd but be happy. the way it looks is so clunky and disorganized, and there's so many red flags and indictments. In fact, I came to the table for you this morning with right. two Tom Thibodeau indictments that don't involve defense. All right. Which we could do the defense thing all day long. And they mm-hmm. were they were okay. John Wall didn't play last night. Uh, but uh, by the way, this Wolves discussion and all of our Wolves discussions, powered by TCL TV's Judd Zilgad, America's fastest growing TV company, where you can watch your favorite basketball team squander fourth quarter leads <laughs> in 4K picture quality. Completely meltdown. Yes. In really, in really good yes. quality. All right. Indict- Thanks to C- TCL. In- indictment number one, Tom Thibodeau, not defense related. When crunch time arrives... He treats Andrew Wiggins as if he's Kobe Bryant in his prime. All right. Isolation, long twos, free reign, just gun it from wherever you want. 
the last 30 seconds, Andrew Wiggins last night. This is just Andrew Wiggins in the last 30 seconds. Yep. Mistimes a jump for a key rebound that would have given the Wolves another possession. Then bricks two long jumpers. One where he rises up early in the shot clock, no ball ball movement, Mm -hmm. from like 22 feet and clanks it off the iron. A great offensive rebound by Butler who just dishes it out to Wiggins again, who pulls up from five feet beyond the three-point line. This is malpractice from a coaching standpoint. Andrew Wiggins is shooting 32% from beyond 16 feet. So not even just like beyond the three-point line. From beyond 16 feet, Andrew Wiggins is shooting 32% this year. Allowing him to shoot those shots, period, is borderline. And allowing him to fire at will in close games in the fourth quarter from beyond that range is coaching malpractice. That drove me nuts last night. I actually wanted Butler to take the one shot that he kicked back out. And the other one I didn't. Well, Towns took a dumb and step the other, back 3-2. Yeah, why, why did Towns? So Towns had that ball, and he could have he could have uh, taken the shot, and instead he sort of faked it and stepped back. Why do that? Why not just take the shot? It's I don't get just, that. It's, it's almost like they get into the fourth quarter. And, and I got they a just Towns lose. complaint, too. Go well, fire away, because I'll give All you right. indictment number two in a second. All right. Let's, we'll make this a communal effort. Carl Anthony Towns, for two years I've watched you and I've said superstar. For two years I've, I basically have said almost every time I've seen you play, wow. But the little stuff is starting to annoy me. And last night, the politicking for calls constantly. In a game where, by the way, the officials made it loud and clear early on, they were for the most part going to let you play. They were going to allow this game to be physical. He he did not go to the free throw line once, and I contend part of the reason for that was when you sit there every time you think you've been fouled, flailing your arms and standing there, as by the way, the ball goes to the other end of the court, and you are looking for the call, and you are basically sitting there trying to yell, I got fouled, I got fouled. At some point in time, Three years in, don't you understand that that the opening quarter or so is going to dictate the rules of that game? He was. It drove me crazy last night. Well, you know what? Because I, he had every so, opportunity to start to accept the fact that this was just going to be a physical game. Okay, so I agree. It's annoying. You know where he learns it from? His idiot coach, who's standing on the sidelines screaming at officials for two and a half hours, like Tom Thibodeau doesn't sit for five minutes. He doesn't sit. Period. I haven't seen him sit at all in the in the year and a half he's been the coach. Yeah, here. he's never sat. So if your head coach and your president of basketball operations, mind you, is screaming at officials for two and a half hours and screaming at everybody for two and a half hours, what do you think the players are going to do? The young impressionable now have some have some personal responsibility and accountability. I agree that if you're Carl Anthony Towns, figure it out. Go get to the free throw line. Go play defense. Yes. I'm not saying he should be exonerated. Yes. But if you're Tom Thibodeau and you're trying to set a tone for your organization, for your team, for your young players on the court, yep. when you're bellowing the entire night at officials and constantly flailing your arms, your team is going to take after you in that regard. So that's actually, there's another indictment on Thibodeau. So that's indictment number two. All right. Well, that drove me absolutely crazy last night. Here's the third indictment then. And and this this is a Carl Anthony Towns related one, and I I agree with everything you said. There's some deficiencies there. He's not the defender he should be. He complains too much about officials, and I'm going to set this one up for you. Mm-hmm. Despite those things, he's still one of the most versatile, uniquely talented offensive players in the NBA. He scores from the paint. He makes shots from the outside. He's a good passer out of double teams. 
He's just a uniquely talented offensive player. In fact, Towns is a more efficient scorer statistically than James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Demarcus Cousins, Kristaps Porzingis, Kyrie Irving, Joel Embiid, and even this season, if you just go off effective field goal percentage, he's a more efficient scorer than Steph Curry. Okay. Which is, and I'm not saying that I would take Carl Anthony Towns as a scorer over Steph Curry. I'm just saying he's an unbelievably efficient scorer. And yet, there are 38 players in the NBA who take more shots per game than Carl Anthony Towns, including one on his own team, Andrew Wiggins, who's one of the least efficient scorers you're going to find in the NBA among guys who hog the ball. Mm-hmm. Harrison Barnes takes more shots per game than Carl Anthony Towns. TJ Warren and Dennis Schroeder, who no one's ever heard of I was gonna say, outside of their own market, who? take more shots per game than Carl Anthony Towns. This is coaching negligence. He's also outside the top 75 in something they call usage rate, which is the frequency of times a play is run through a player or run for a player. He's not used enough. And I get that there's deficiencies defensively. He's he's bitching at officials all the time. But when you're allowing Andrew Wiggins to just chuck from any distance in the fourth quarter in isolation offense, yep. and you're not running your offense regularly for two and a half hours through Carl Anthony Towns, you don't know what you're doing as a coach. I'm I'm done with the honeymoon period for Tom Thibodeau. You really are. I know they're twelve and nine, but here's get what I don't a get. Bleeping clue. Here's what I don't get. Uh, when when you get to key moments of games, this team does not play fluid, and they always and they always look like like a team that's playing as separate players. Basically, it doesn't ever look, for the most part, it doesn't ever look like it's fluid. There are times it does. Opening quarter at times, it does. But last night was a prime example of when you got in into key moments of that game, it looked like you basically had five guys playing basketball for themselves. It doesn't look like you're playing as a team. And that's what's frustrating about Towns is bitching at one end of the court. Butler, I think, was trying to yell at Towns to start playing again. You have all of these things. You, you've got talented players. But this does not play like a team, which is my contention of why your defense, when it matters, is bad. Your defense never seems cohesive to me. It doesn't. It seems like you've got different guys trying to play different styles. Butler's trying to do his thing. And at times it starts to work. But when it gets to be important points of the game... It breaks down. Yeah, it's, it's and I don't know why, but it's it's really frustrating to watch. It is. They're like they're, they don't get back in transition, and so I mean we we could do another hour on how bad they are defensively in most situations and how they don't get rebounds in key spots. Last night, I mean, yeah. how many times did and I don't know. It, maybe it was maybe I'm overestimating it in my head, but there were like two or three possessions late in the last four or five minutes where you get the stop. Ball comes off the iron, and Wiggins mistimes a jump for a rebound. Towns can't box somebody out. Go get a, a rebound at home after playing decent possession defense. But they don't do it. And and I, I get the sense, too, that they're they just... They're going off pure talent in a lot of ways. That's why they're 12-9, and nine, because they have a lot of really talented players. They've got Towns and Butler, although not perfect and not cohesive necessarily, are two of the best players in the NBA. And so if you have two of the best players in the NBA, you're going to stumble your way into a 500 record. Uh, But I just, there's so many things, and I'm still going to give Tom Thibodeau time. I'm not sitting here calling for his head, but 
dude, you're pretty it's, upset your, right now. it's your job to figure this out as the leader and as the coach. You can't just do what Ben McAdoo does with the Giants every week and blame everything else around you. It's on you to teach. It's on you to figure out how to use your pieces efficiently, offensively, and it's not happening. He, I'm telling you, post game last night, he sounded spent. It was weird. It was almost like a, a, a key playoff game had been lost. It's a regular season game, right? There was no defiance in his voice. There was no, we're going to correct this. There was basically a, we'll watch the film and I got to get back to it. He sounded defeated. Well, he has it, one he gear. Sa- he has one gear on game day anyways. Yeah, but I mean, he sounds he sounds like a guy who basically, he, he sounds like a guy who privately is thinking what we're saying, which is, what the hell now? Yeah, what well, do I, mean, I do now? You're making like six I've million a dollars a year to figure that out. Answer, answer this. So, so, Teague was out last night. Belly was out last night. Answer me this, Shabazz Muhammad. When did he become useless? Let's put it this way: There's a reason why he was making that he was set to make maybe seven million dollars a year in a league where Matthew Dellavedova makes about ten million dollars a year. Okay. So he was set to make about seven million dollars last year, and the Wolves said, "Uh-uh." You can go sign somewhere else. We're not going to exercise the option. He's back for $1 million. Four, or is it two? It's like $1 or $2 million. Four, there, there's a reason for that. Four minutes last night. Your bench was basically depleted beyond b- belief. Four minutes, one field goal attempt, no points, plus, minus, minus nine. Cole Aldrich makes $7 million a year, and he doesn't get off the bench. If, if 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 you and that's true, you're right. If you put a basketball uniform on and can lace up shoes in the NBA, you're going to make like five to seven million dollars a year. Shabazz Muhammad makes one or two. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure nobody wanted him for more than like the league minimum. All I'm saying so that's, is that's who he is. He, he does, give he gives you nothing right now. And and if you're and, and the bet, I mean, I think the result would have been different last night if you had your full allotment of depth, but. There's not much trust with the bench. He doesn't. There's, Tom Thibodeau doesn't, right doesn't really do a great job of. I think people people think of NBA benches sometimes as it's like a line change in hockey. Well, you bring your bench in, and then they have to hold up against another team, and you can sprinkle in bench players strategically so that you don't overexpose four guys at once. And last night, when it's you know when Aaron Brooks has to be out there. Go, what was? Do you have the box score in front of you? Yes. What was? I, I Aaron, haven't looked at it, but my guess is Aaron Brooks was a minus infinity. Uh, Gorgie was a minus thirteen. Jamal Crawford scored ten points, minus thirteen. Shabazz minus nine. Brooks minus six. Okay, so so basically, okay. yes, wasn't as bad as I thought. But but. There, but but watching them, the eye test of that group in together, trying to play defense. Yeah. Is very difficult to watch. So again, I, I'm conflicted because it's not even December yet, and this team deserves time to iron these things out. But it feels like, like you said, it feels like Tom Thibodeau is kind of running out of ways to teach what he wants to be implemented. Yes, and you're being paid to teach and to communicate and implement. And so, if there's not a connection there, and if the same mistakes are being made, blown leads, bad defense, mm-hmm. that falls on you as a communicator and a teacher. Absolutely, it's frustrating. Point. Yeah, and, and 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 let's not let's not let Andrew Wiggins ro- roam free like Kobe Bryant in two thousand two. Well, okay? you you've got you've got two players, two potential superstar players who have to play as smart as possible, and and right now they seem very interested in serving what appears to be their agenda. And I don't know if Tibbs' agenda is just completely wrong or what, 
but he definitely has something he wants, and I don't know that your two young star players care. That's how I feel in watching this team. I don't know that your two best young players give a damn. Yeah. It is so, weird, man. They're twelve and nine. So I mean, they're twelve and yeah, nine. But and as you as you said, the eye test tells you something very different. It does. The, the eye test tells you there is going to be more trouble. It does. Let's get our buddy Chip Scoggins in here next from the Star Tribune and StarTribune.com. Uh, in fact, he was texting us during our first hour yesterday, where we went heavy on the PJ Fleck conversation. Chip was like, "Let me get in this boxing ring. I want to. I want to spar. I want to talk Gophers and Fleck." And also, uh, you know what? Volunteers vent line, 651-646-8255. Chip's next. Okay, let's go. Running their mouths counts as a morning run, right? Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. All right, the volunteer vent lines are open. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna push this out to Knoxville. Six five one six four six eight two five five. Chip, what is happening? Just, just a little wait, bit of a speed bump. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Tell us on the air what what you said right before the show began about the football coach you would be willing to accept back right now. It's gotten so desperate. I I would take Lane. Come on home. Wow. You come on home. Wow. When, Me and Lane, we'll hug it out. Well, your we'll, buddies. We'll, we'll hug it out. I thought that was destroyed. I thought it was over. At this point? <laughs> I, this is a this is a debacle. I, I don't know any other way to say it. It's it's an absolute So Mike Gundy was up. Mike Gundy, who has 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 Oklahoma State orange mm-hmm. bleeding out of his body, uh, was the starting quarterback at Oklahoma State, was a, a young assistant there, went away for a while, came back, was an offensive coordinator, been the longtime head coach. Yeah. They offered him what, forty two million? Four, forty two over six years? That wasn't enough. And he said OSU for life. Yeah. Yeah, I was excited there for about three hours, and then I, I went into full Tibbs mode when I fell out in the no, first no, 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 what, what was your Greg Schiano feeling when that— You know, I was a— uh, Were you I, a Schiano man? No, I, I, I wasn't—I uh, wasn't excited. I wanted um, Dan Mullen, probably—that was my number one. I thought he'd been a great hire and good for Florida because I think he's a really good coach. So I, I was a little disappointed because— and I gotta be honest, with you, I didn't. I didn't even know he ever coached at Penn State. In that, and reading all the stuff, that wouldn't have moved the needle on me at all. I mean, there just wasn't enough there for me to think, oh, he can't hire this guy. Um, but it, just my uh, perception of him was kind of clouded by how he was in the NFL at, at Tampa and some of that nonsense. Like when the, the other team would go in victory formation, he'd have his team smash through the line and try to kill the quarterback. That was the Giants and, game, right against. Well, he Tom did a couple Coughlin. times. Yeah, he was. Just, yeah. At, at one point, I think I read. He called a timeout, had his defense over, screamed at him, and then he went back out and you know tried to bust through the line. I mean, it was just it's kind of amateur hour that stuff. Um, but you you listen to coaches in the in the profession swear by him, absolutely love him. And so I mean, I wasn't excited, but I, I was of the feeling that you know what, this is really, we'll I'll roll with it. I'll you know yeah. be patient and see if he can do anything. But now it's I, I honestly don't know what to do. I, my hunch is you're going to wind up probably with T. Martin, and I'll be excited for that. You know, former, you know, he led former quarterback, led national title, and and uh, you know he's a high level coordinator at USC. So, but it's a bad process to get this. What's <laughs> wrong with this job? Well, it's like any so many schools inside your borders. You think your your program's better than what it is, and I think we're living under the assumption that we're a top ten program or top fifteen. Tennessee, as much as I love them, we're not. You know, it's not a glamour program, and and uh, 
you know, it's still a great job, I think, but it's not, you know, what we what we want to think it is. It's not Georgia. It's not Texas A&M even. And which is going to get Jimbo Fisher and they're going to pay him $42 yeah, million. How about that? You wow. know? And so, yeah, it, it's uh, it's disappointing. And it's it, I, I find it fascinating. I think it's unprecedented that a fan base can basically overturn an AD's decision to hire a coach by just public outcry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, within, you, within three hours. It was it was amazing watching it on Twitter that day. And I mean, you had politicians, you had a guy who's running for governor come out and said, we can't have this. For people, we, we talk about the rock. On campus, there's a huge rock right by Fraternity Row, and it pretty much gets painted every day. Somebody will go there and paint some messages. And it's it's not always sports related, it's just whatever. And uh when they painted that 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 Greg Channel helped cover up rape, that's just not right. Do you think do you think most fans felt that he no. was just a bad coach yeah. and then used the Penn well, State stuff? That's that's what it's hard to put a percentage on because I can't get inside everybody's head. Now I'm sure there were some that said, you know what, you're almost guilty by association. Even if he didn't know that, uh and only and only Greg Shiano knows what he knows. Um, what was in that that uh, court de- uh, deposition? That's just hearsay. So only he knows what he knows. And I'm sure there's some fans that said, you know, I want nothing to do with any coach that had anything to do with Penn State, um, uh, Jerry Sandusky, nothing. And, that, and that's fine. That's their priority. Even if he wasn't had no knowledge, that, that's fine. But what bothers me is I'm sure there are some that that use that as a faux argument because they just didn't like him. They didn't think he was good enough. And that's not right to smear a guy like that. Uh, Chip, you thought we were kidding, but we're going to go to the Vols vent lines oh, here. Yeah. 651-646-8255. <laughs> Roderick, you're on with Chip Scoggins. Hey, Chip, I feel your pain, and I understand <laughs> what you're going through. So I have the suggestion that you can pass on to your colleagues and power brokers down at Tennessee and tell them that the man they should hire right now is the offensive coordinator slash wide receivers coach at USC. He is a former Vol. He yeah. actually led them to a national title. He played for Philip Fulmer. I think you know where I'm going with this. Yeah. T. Martin is your man, and that's who they should hire, and it will bring everybody together, and it'll be a good thing on so many different levels. Yeah. So you have that from me. You can take that and run with it. <laughs> and you can even claim it if you want to. Say it your <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I, you know what? If we wind up with T. Martin, I'll be happy. Um, and he's probably he's probably due for a job. Now, I, I thought that the Tennessee job's big enough where you'd want a guy who's been a head coach uh, before. That's what you thought previously. That's what you thought. But you know what? Um, I, I would be happy if it's T. Martin. If we wind up there, it, it would definitely um, it'd be popular within the fan base. He's very well loved. Um, hey, what a national title. Peyton Manning didn't. You know, you brought something up that's really, really interesting, and I think it, I think it applies to the Gopher fan base as well. Self-awareness of where your program is at and where it where it should reside, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Alabama, if Nick Saban retires and the next head coach comes in and that program is, you know, battling just for a top 25 ranking, well, that's not good. Alabama is a top three program, right? Top five, USC. But having that self awareness, so if you're an Iowa fan and you want Kirk Ferentz fired, well, you know, Kirk Ferentz has been there for almost 20 years. He's won double digit games like five times. Mm-hmm. He's gone to an Orange Bowl, he's gone to you know, Rose Bowl. Now he's going to mix in some seven and sixes. He's going to mix in some three-win conference seasons. Yeah. But ultimately, if you're Iowa football and you're getting what you've received for the last 20 years, 
You're not going to be Alabama. You're not sitting in fertile Florida recruiting ground or California recruiting ground. Um, I think that's a really, really hard it is. thing for fans and media and even athletic directors to wrap their heads around. What's the reality and, and, and be honest about it? Yeah, and I think, and I, I wrote a column on this for Tuesday. I think social media, Twitter has changed. Well, I know it has. It's changed college sports in a lot of good ways, but also a lot of bad ways. When the Gophers were looking for an AD two years ago, I did a, a big piece on kind of the modern athletic director, what, what, you know, what's the role, what do they do? And I, I talked to 10 different current and former ADs and oh, I pretty much every one of them said social media has changed that job, made it much more challenging because everybody has a voice. It's so instant. It's, you, you can create this mob mentality. You don't know what's fact from fiction. And so college football is just has a spot where one bad season, we're ready to fire them. Everybody wants to fire everybody because you always think my school can do better. Unless you have Urban Meyer, Dabble Sweeney, or Nick Saban, fan bases think that their coaches, their schools can do better. And, you know, this year, Auburn blew a 20-point lead in a loss to LSU. And after that week, you know, Gus Malzahn's feeling questions about, you know, are you worried about your job? Do you think your, you know, your job's in jeopardy? It's like, he went to the national title game how many years ago? And now, he's, you know, there, there's a chance... They're an SEC champion. Luckily, nothing came of it because they're an SEC championship Jim, game. They're probably going to go to the uh, Jim Harbaugh is getting heat. Yeah, at Michigan. Yeah, I that's mean, if so you, stupid. If you have if you have Harbaugh as your coach, you should say thank the good Lord, and yeah. you can stay as long as you want. And yet, fans are mad at at Harbaugh because they say you haven't beat Urban yet, and if you can't beat Urban, you're not the guy. It's hard, and I fall into this trap too because. College football is so passionate and emotional and in your face, and it saps the patience away from you sometimes when you see the Gophers lose 70 to nothing in their last two games. And it's hard to watch that and think, gosh, you know, are they really gaining ground? It's hard to see four years down the line when you're seeing 70 to nothing in your face. You're, just, you're seeing the immediacy of, and that's the world we live in Twitter. Everything's happening right now. So it's hard to step back and say, okay. How's this going to look in four years? I'm, I'm just looking at how's it look right now, four seconds in front of me, you know? Right. And so we're just conditioned that way now where everything's sped up and everything's kind of hyperventilating. And um, so you, we, we've lost a lot of that patience. And I'm, I fall prey to it, too. Well, it's I'm just hard not to. Yeah. And so it it just forces these ADs and, and decision makers into sort of a corner where they make these decisions and maybe fire guys um before they before the, they need to the ability to tune things out is key but it's very it's hard. hard it's hard it's very difficult but the ability to say i'm going to trust this group of people yeah and and you know but in college sports it's really tough because you've got boosters and fans who donate and you say well well your view is important because of this check but ultimately that person might be a complete moron when it comes to to what they're saying especially if you're in a market like this where there's no equity built up you have 50 years of just bad football, and so we've been down this pro. We've, we've had this, we, you know. We've had the promises. We've had all this stuff. You know, if you're at Iowa, you can survive. Even they, they grumble down there. But Kirk Ferentz has equity. He's gone to the Orange Bowl. He's gone to the Rose Bowl. So he has that to kind of fall back on. He's like, okay, we may have a couple lean years, but there's going to be a big payoff. They got a freshman quarterback down there now. That's great. I love that kid. I think in two years they're going to be really good. But when you when you're here and you haven't had it and you've been teased for so long, that's this is what happens. Uh, let's come back and talk okay. more about this as it applies to to the Gophers and mm-hmm. 
what expectations should be. Your thoughts on P.J. Fleck. It's Chip Scoggins hanging out with us, Mackie and Judd, on this Wednesday. Phil Mackey. Troubled, sensitive, artistic. Judd Zolgad. To alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. we got Chip Scoggins in from the Star Tribune and StarTribune.com. Doogie with a scoop in 45 minutes from now. We have our Vikings prop bets. Mike Golick Jr., always a, f- a fun guest midweek with us. And Chip, so we're... we're we were starting with your your volunteers who are 43 people deep on their <laughs> head coaching list. Um, and then that sort of morphed into expectations and being objective about your reality as a college football fan, uh, you know, administration, media. If you're Iowa, Kirk Ferentz has given you multiple double-digit win seasons, big-time bowl games over the last 20 years. You're not Alabama. Mm-hmm. Maybe once in a while you can have that pop-up season if the schedule's favorable. Um, if you're Minnesota, you're you know you're not going to get a coach in here and go ten and th- ten and three every season from the get-go uh, without a quarterback. And just just for some examples of, of for anyone who's mad about PJ Flex first season that well they won nine games last year and first of all a lot of players were suspended, expelled, injured. There's no quarterback. Tracy Clays wasn't going to follow up with another nine-win mm-hmm. season if you had kept him around. No. So that's a fool's gold and, argument. And let's, let's stop looking at last year. Correct. Let's look yes. forward and, st- and stop looking back. Just for fun, though, Jerry Kill started his first season three and nine, and yeah, okay, maybe he inherited a worse situation. Worse. I would say worse. Sure, and that's and you should take that into account. But three and nine, and then his first two seasons, he went two and six, and then two and six again in conference. Mm-hmm. So, and by the way, never won a bowl game. So sometimes we over romanticize. Uh, Lou Holtz. Beloved Lou Holtz broke our hearts by leaving, going to Notre Dame in the mid-1980s. His first season was 4-7, and seven, a clunker. Now, coming off a one-win year, I get it, 1983, mm-hmm. but 4-7, and then 6-5 and five the next year. It wasn't extravagant. Um, Nick Saban, Michigan State. So, patience. We're talking about patience here. Find out. Nick Saban, six wins, six wins, seven wins, six wins. Year five, Michigan State, 9-2. and two. That jumps him to LSU, and then he goes on. Even his first year at Alabama, um, there were some sanctions there, I think. But because yeah, the he followed uh, the Shula, right? Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. yes. So remember the Gophers? Who beat the Gophers Shula beat in the in bowl the, game? Yeah, it was so. two thousand and four. My yeah, point right, 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 isn't yeah. that Nick Saban, that PJ Fleck is Nick Saban or Lou Holtz. My point yeah. is, let's let it breathe. Yeah, and it's um, this is a very complicated, um, in depth. Look, it's not just black and white. Hey, they won nine games last year. They, that's the benchmark because rosters change, things change. It's, it, sports aren't static. You can't just say, "Well, you won nine here, so you win 10. Um, You know, he, every coach deserves a chance to recruit to his system because you're you're bringing in. I thought uh, uh, Patino talked about that yesterday pretty well. Someone asked him about Fleck, and he said, "You know." This roster I have now is for the first time is filled with guys that when I sat in their living room recruiting them, I told them exactly what your role is going to be. He said, when you walk into a new uh, team, that's not that way. You have a quarterback that doesn't probably fit your system or a quarterback you don't want, players that might not fit the scheme that you're trying to run. Um, well, you look at this year, they had to run basically a 3-4 and move Carter Coughlin the defense in you know, because they didn't have enough guys. So mm-hmm. every coach deserves a chance to implement system, recruit um, uh, players to his, to his system. And so you have to have time. You have to have patience. And and that's what I was talking about earlier. It's hard 
it's hard to have patience in today's college football um, because you want it, the immediacy of the of the payoff. And the way I've, I've tried to frame it the last month is it's okay to say to have patience and, yeah, we're going to let this thing play out, but it's also okay to be disappointed. It, it's fine to be disappointed in this season, and, and I am because you look at, and, and Fleck has said, yeah, we've had four close games. Well, you know, the Purdue game, you got to win that one. Agreed. You, you have to win that game. You're up by it with a month ago. You have to win that game. Sure. Um, and it's not like Purdue's this great team. They finished 6-6, six and six and yeah, they have a little bit of spark there at the end, but it's not. They weren't a great team, and Jeff Brom didn't inherit a gold mine. <laughs> right, he didn't walk into the the greatest roster ever. Uh, Maryland, they came out flat and just looked like they had no focus. The opening kickoff goes out of bounds. They have two kickoffs out of bounds. They just don't tackle well. That thing was a clunker. Maryland's not a good team, and so it's okay to be disappointed and frustrated with losing those games. And so to me, that sort of changed the whole season. And then also, you know, just not to be competitive at all in three of your Big Ten games: Michigan, Northwestern, Wisconsin. I mean, those games were over before they even began. And so it's okay to be disappointed, but also with understand that, you know what, this roster, and I, I don't want to disparage the wide receivers. I, I won't say them by name, but that was... Witness protection program. It, 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 that was not anywhere close to Big Ten caliber talent they were putting on the field. It just wasn't. And it's not a knock on those players because they, they shouldn't have been in that position, but they were forced into it because of... Injury suspensions, guys, you know, being demoted and benched. That offense they, they put out there in terms of just talent is nowhere near Big Ten caliber. And this is what he inherited. This is what Fleck inherited. And he has to be a really good recruiter. And I think he will. But it's going to take more than one, um, you know, more than one recruiting cycle. And that's what I, you know, it's funny. It's just what people read and disconnect. You know, I, I wrote s- Sunday, like, you know, Fleck has to go find talent. You have to because this is the gap between the talent gap between them and Wisconsin is enormous right now. It just is. And, you know, I got a couple emails like, why are you trying to run Fleck out of town? It's like, how did we get from there to there on that? It's not saying this team doesn't have talent and Fleck needs to go get it. It's not saying he's not the right guy. I absolutely think he's the right guy. I, you know, I, I enjoy our conversations. I think he's a good coach. Well, saying this team doesn't have talent isn't even blaming PJ no, Fleck. No, it's not. It would be an indictment on. On Tracy well, Cliff, Jerry yeah, Kill. and so it's hard to have patience, and I and I I'm as guilty as anyone. Um, and there's some things this year that bug me. Those two games that you know Purdue and Maryland stick out, and so I'll quit rambling. Fleck is taking <laughs> PJ Fleck is taking uh, the brunt of the disappointment for mm-hmm. the fact that this program with Jerry Kill was coming back, and and you went from Mason and you got haughty and said it can be improved. And then you got a complete joke of a coach who brought the thing way down again, again. And Kill came in and you said, okay, it can be improved again and it's going to get and it's going to reach. And to me, Chip, the key word is stability. Mm-hmm. It's not Iowa has stability. This program has never had that. Um, but I think where where we in our end of the business uh, uh, missed a big one on this was, and I keep going back to it, the day Jerry quit. Mm-hmm. The day Jerry quit and you didn't have the infrastructure to replace him and you gifted the job to a guy who was a coordinator. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is, so for everybody that said, well, last year was great. No, last year was a mirage. And, and if you look, if, if last year hadn't been a mirage, you would have had the talent on this team to win games. Yeah. You didn't have that talent. 
So I think where we probably uh, steered the fan base a little bit wrong was we should have said this is going to be a potential disaster. And and I said I said I don't like giving the job to Clay's, but I was not nearly that strong. Yeah, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You can look it up. Uh, the year before last year, I think they were five and seven, right? They go five and seven to nine and four. Is that right? I'd have to look it up. I mean, I, it was yeah. So I think it was five and seven. They went to a bowl and, game at five and seven. Yeah, You're right. yeah, that's right. And, and they won it. And last year, and you know, there are things that Tracy and his staff did I liked. I mean, I, you know, that defense was really, really good. And but let's also acknowledge too that that was the a gift from God. That schedule is the easiest schedule you're ever going to have in the Big Ten. And so there was some of that. I mean, they. There's, there's a little bit of revisionist history. Let's go back and, and talk about the frustration we felt last year because they didn't win a game that you felt like they shouldn't have won, mm-hmm. except for the the Washington State the bowl game. And so, but you know, I think it's it's time to stop looking at nine wins and just focus on where they're at now because you could just get so distracted by that, and it's it's just too different between the suspensions, expulsions, graduations, guys. You know, a couple guys went to the NFL. I mean, it's it's just a different thing, and so. Um, were, was PJ&M perfect? No. I mean, I'm sure they made mistakes, uh, whether it's scheme or personnel decisions. Um, you know, there was a game, was it the Purdue game, where he had a punter who's never punted, punt the first one because they were going into this crazy win and he wanted a line drive one and it, the thing went like three yards. It's like, you overthought that. You know, don't overthink. You just have your regular punter punt. I mean, it's things like, you know, there, there are mistakes they made, but if we can just step back, exhale, <laughs> Let that guy go recruit, sure, and, those, and, and have a little, uh, you know, allow ourselves to look down the road and just say, you know what, he may not win here at the level that he thinks he's going to win, and that everybody hopes it may not happen. No one's, there's nothing guaranteed, but there's no guarantees he's going to fail either. And nothing in year one, nothing no. in year one should be indicative of like, oh my god, like he's going these little things, the Purdue game, Maryland game. Those things are so minuscule well, on, the, on the scale of, okay, what matters for the next two or three years? In, in, in the moment, it bugs you. Of course. In the moment fine. of this season, it's, it, it bugged me because I said, you know what, this, this season definitely could have looked different. If you have seven wins, we, it looks different. You're thinking, you know what, this is probably what we thought. They maxed out this team. I don't think they maxed out this team because they had two losses that, that, that you know, it could have gone the other way. Um, but anyone who's rendering a verdict now is just not being fair. And those last two games were incredibly hard to watch. They're hard to watch, yeah. But but if you're going to then say, well, well, this guy took all of these different players and he can't coach them, he doesn't even want them. No. I, I mean, the, the, I guarantee you the guy who was most thrilled when Demery Croft said, I'm gone, was probably P.J. Fluck. And it said, absolutely, because you can't play quarterback for me. And it is telling. So, that there guy, you go. Yeah, the guy who started the last seven games at quarterback leaves the day after the season. So, I mean, there was obviously a disconnect going on the whole time that we we thought we knew with the suspension, but I thought he had turned a corner. I, I I got fooled. I thought that was that that Nebraska showed a little bit, and I, I wanted to see the last two games, see if he could continue it. But it showed something, but it was fool's gold. Yeah, I see. I, I, I would, and I just, I have a list of things that I keep going back to with P.J. Fleck that regardless of the little things here and there that might annoy you, and I'm with you, I think they should have won at least two extra games, and um, I think it would have been would have been nice to see some some different things within games that uh, whether it's the punting example, but I keep going back to the fact that he has a track record. Mm-hmm. He turned Western Michigan around in in a four year stretch where they were a joke, and then they went undefeated and went toe to toe with Wisconsin in a big time bowl game. Uh, he developed a top five overall pick in Corey Davis, wide receiver to the Titans. You know, he developed a, a really good college quarterback at Western Michigan. 
his personality is compelling if you're not a 67-year-old salty, you know, upper Midwesterner. If you're a young adult, his personality is compelling. Well, he's enthusiastic. He's energetic. He can recruit. Yeah. There's all these things that I think are going to win out in the end, and I'm very comfortable going against anyone who says that his personality is too much or uh, he's all he's a gas bag, rah, rah. I disagree, and I think a lot of those same people wanted Richard Pitino out three years ago, yeah. and they were wrong too. Yeah, I mean, his personality, and, and maybe because I see him in a different light, we have conversations. I, I enjoy our conversations, and the, the rah-rah stuff doesn't, I mean, a lot of stuff just goes over my head. I, you know, I sort of ignore it or block it out. But he's trying... It's interesting because he he's definitely bringing eyes to his, his program and he's purposely bringing eyes to his program, but those eyes are first time people or skeptical people that are coming, and they see they 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 mistake his energy and his boldness and his brashness as holy cow they're going to win ten games this year. Well, it's right. It's it's a totally different thing he's trying to accomplish, and but that's but you know what when you bring that target on you. It's going to come back when it when the results are what they were this year, and it's just whether it's fair or not. That's the world we live in, and that's human nature. And in this market, where it's a skeptical fan base because of everything it's been through for five decades, and it's possible that if they start a bunch of freshmen, and Which you know, not that the quarterback position can get a whole lot worse than where it's been here for the Gophers, but uh, it's possible that next year's not going to pay off in results either. And can we still sit here after two or three years? And let it play out. And I don't that's, know if that answer is yes for most people in this in it, this market. That's it'll be interesting. There's, I'm gonna knock on. You know, there's no possible way that offense could be worse next year. None. He's that all, was the worst offense I think I've ever he's seen. He's also major college football. He's also fine because the one thing that th- this program has is it will disappear in this town with with the Vikings and the Twins and the Wolves. He's got some time here. Well, I mean, th- this is not a college football town that, that that is actually going to go to Mark Hoyle and say after two years, yeah, he's got to go. This is not Tuscaloosa. Or yeah, it's Knox not going to happen. Or he's Athens, got Georgia. he's got yeah. time here. Yeah, yeah. Mackie and Judd hanging out with Chip Scoggin. Mackie and Judd are back. The Emperor does not share your optimistic appraisal of the situation. On fifteen hundred ESPN. New today on Blu-ray and digital, Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson star in the outrageous action comedy The Hitman's Bodyguard, also starring Salma Hayek and Gary Oldman. Get the film that has big action and even bigger laughs. Own The Hitman's Bodyguard now on Blu-ray and digital and head to the 1500 ESPN stream player for details on how to win your very own Blu-ray combo pack. You know, I thought... uh... You know, our their bench hurt us, so that was a concern. All right, Chip Scoggins, <laughs> your thoughts on Morose Tibbs last night? We, we sat there and, and watched him, and I seriously, I don't know if I can remember after a regular season game. Okay, playoffs, I get it. Yeah, I don't remember if I have ever the last time I've seen a coach after a regular season November just sort of okay, you lost the game, bad loss, but be that despondent, despondent. Yeah, he looked defeated. Yeah. He it's looked, like he's it's like he's thinking what we're all saying, which is this isn't really working so yeah. that well. That's is exactly what it felt like. It felt like a guy who came in there and said, I'm completely out of answers. I don't I don't know what to do. And it, it was that last four minutes watching him play offense, it felt like five guys and five cabs, hill and five cabs. I mean, it was like if you had the ball, it's like, well, my turn. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm going to shoot it. That was, that was Wiggins in the last 30 seconds. It was unbelievable. Oh, I got the ball. It's time for me to shoot and be the hero. Oh, I got the ball again. Time for me to shoot. Well, Terrible, it, inefficient it's, shots. It's so disjointed. And then Cat pump fakes. 
he has a drive to the basket or or wide open three, and he dribbles himself back into a contested shot. It yes. just, yes. I, I don't understand what they're even trying to accomplish sometimes when you watch them on offense. And so, if you can't beat that team at home without John Wall, when let's be honest, they did not shoot the ball well for three quarters. Washington, I mean, they couldn't buy a sh- shot. Are we being unreasonable? They're twelve and nine. Like, are we? No, but are but, we but, overreacting right now? Well, you, but watch him though. I know. I, I I'm. This is therapeutic for myself because yeah. I I freaked out to start the show today. So. Well, we talked. We've been talking about having patience for. for <laughs> but it, but it's it's hard when you watch a team with that kind of talent and and the expectations of what they should be play like that and just not have a clue defensively. Be you know sort of just selfish on offense. I I don't know who hates their team more right now, <laughs> Boods or Tibbs. Because I swear to God that those poor guys should get together, blow yeah. off your next game, get together, go to the bar and talk that's it what, out. Yeah, that's what we were thinking last night. Like they should meet somewhere, just have a beer and commiserate about, about honest to God, because both how of bad the, things are going right now. Both of them, in their own way, with, with their personalities, seem to be just completely sort of done with this thing right now. Yeah, and I, you know, I this still should be is going to be a playoff team, right? I mean, they're going to win. It's going to come together. It, it it's going to click. Eventually, right? Right? <laughs> Tell me. Chip, you there, Chip? <laughs> you would think Phil? so. I, I mean, it has to come together, and it has to gel at some point. But just the kind of stops and starts, and they play well one game, and then they're completely terrible the next. And maybe that's what happens when you throw all these new parts together and it, it and expect it's going to be, you know, the, the Golden State Warriors are off the bat, you know. But just to watch how disjointed and out of sync they look sometimes on offense and forget even the defense because that's a disaster in itself but just offensively how there's no ball movement sometimes and just the shot selection it just drives you crazy it feels like there's things that are just inherent and that is a little scary if you're hoping for a big next jump forward i mean some of the things that i get frustrated with andrew wiggins going back to you know even flip saunders when he was the coach those things aren't really changing he's still he's still automatically in his head Hops to 22 feet, the most yeah. inefficient shot in the NBA, and he's not even good at it. Uh, he shoots 30% from that range. And he, like, how do you change that? You have to communicate better. You have mm-hmm. to, you have to sit him down, teach him. And if he's still taking those shots, then that's a, that's a huge red flag and a huge problem that's not being fixed. The one concern I have too is when you constantly yell and scream at someone, eventually they're going to tune it out. They just are. And I'm not saying they're at that point yet, but. Body, oh. body language is not good right now. I think they team. are. And, and you wonder if they're going to reach a point where it's just going in one ear and out the other because you, when you're constantly just pounding away, pounding away every second of every game, it it, it just it's going to wear on those I players. think they are at that point, and I, I think that's particularly why you went and got Butler to sort of try and be the conduit. The buffer? And I'm not sure it's working. Well, No, I think those guys, I think your star players last year said enough of this, and that's why Tibbs on draft night was ecstatic. I think he thought, okay, my guy's here now, and he's going to be that guy. And I, and I don't know. Sometimes this is an oversimplification, but when you watch Tom Thibodeau teams, even going back to Chicago, it looks like it's not fun to play ever in any circumstance for Tom Thibodeau. But then when you watch yeah. like teams play for Steve Kerr, and I get that those are just kind of fun by nature because they're all just jacking threes, but it looks like certain teams are having a lot of fun winning, and it looks like the Bulls 
from 2010 through 15, and then this year's Wolves team, where like they might win, but it doesn't look like it's fun for them. And I don't want to completely overact to one game, and and but I told someone that last night, Phil. I said this looks like joyless basketball. It just they just look like joyless out there. I mean, that's kind of the personality of Tom Thibodeau, right? Like, have you ever seen him exhibit joy ever, other than you know, a, a defensive stop in the fourth quarter for a brief moment, then he yells at an official? Draft night, the Butler trade. It's the only time I've seen him truly look satisfied. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I still think it, it, eventually at some point it's going to click and the, the the chemistry will get there. You have to hope that because it, right now it's just too much herky jerky, really good, really bad, really and and just no consistency whatsoever. Yeah. Hey, way to uh, way to end this thing on a yeah. There you go. Go balls. Tips to the balls. <laughs> we'll talk about it. the balls. Coaches search. Balls. Talk about joyless. Balls can hire Tibbs. <laughs> oh man, Peyton. Peyton. Throw deep. Good luck, Chip. Finding right, a coach. Uh, I'm in, I'm on Lane Kiffin now that I just followed him on Twitter. Word. He looks like a ton of fun. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to our Vikings prop bets and then a scoop with Doogie here shortly. Mackie and Judd. 